0: If you enjoy the stories on this podcast, you'll also like the stories in my book, Filmmaking Confidential, which isn't just for filmmakers, but also all artists and really any entrepreneur. Thank you for supporting the show and sharing it with your friends. Now here's today's show. I'm Steve Balderson. And you're listening to the Filmmaking Confidential podcast. In this podcast, we meet with filmmakers, writers, actors, artists, and other notables. Today's guest is Austin Young. Austin is co-founder and artist of Fallen Fruit, a contemporary art collective that uses fruit as a material for projects that investigate the hyper-qualities of collaboration. Based on a nuanced visual language of pop culture iconography, his trademark style and techniques have captured a broad palette of musicians, artists, and celebrities, including Debbie Harry, Lee Bowery, and Margaret Cho, among others.
1: When I was growing up, yeah, I mean, I knew I was going to be an artist and that, that uh, really I didn't want to do anything else but i i you know i used to paint and play music and all kinds of stuff and um, and i went to art school when i left when i graduated high school i used to just lo- love everything about art so so i so i would i would p- start painting when i was probably you know like 5 or 6 or something but then and it, yeah so just always made art and were you um encouraged um not really no i mean i was i was expected to go to to go into business my my parents did not want me to be an artist or anything like that and so um they when i decided to go to art school they they said that was fine but they wouldn't uh support me in any way after after school so it's just kind of like a decision that I was fine with. And where did you go? I went, well, I started off, um, at the Academy of art in San Francisco. And then I, I went to Parsons in Paris. And then, um, after three years, I, I dropped out of school, just decided that I didn't need to go to school. I'd just be an artist.
2: Did you learn anything at all at any of the places? either of them I learned how to draw which is
1: is pretty great I love drawing yeah I mean I learned about what people society expects of you to be like even in art school I was told that my work wasn't art and um so I felt I felt you know like whatever my work is art so I don't need to go to school and um, I just thought, you know, I'm going to be a famous artist, but I, I believed that I would be.
2: Well, thank God you are, <laughs> but let's go back. How, okay. So why do you think they said that? And, and do you think they had a reason, like a, like a secret reason, or do you think they were just really, judgmental in that way god i remember that i remember
1: like some of the students who got the praise and attention for their work i mean they were just their work probably fit more in what was it in fashion at the time and and then i remember there was this girl who also she she would get the worst critiques like the teachers hated her work and she was And I loved her work. I thought it was brilliant. She painted with just brown paint and it just looked like, you know, like anything she painted looked like she was painting with poo, you know, just abstract expressionist poo paintings. And they were there. I thought they were amazing. And then she she quit and she, she was devastated. I I think that it really affected her. They would say, like, my art was illustration or things like this, you know, in critiques and. Yeah.
2: Well, and how is, it, it how was, is, how is that I category just thought, not art?
1: I knew it was my destiny to be an artist. So I, I just was like, whatever.
2: And then I was like, I'm not going back to school. You were told that the art you were creating wasn't art, which is always shocking to me when anybody says that um, because everything is art <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and then if you if you begin to categorize it it's like okay well that's a subcat illustration is is art it's a subcategory of art <laughs> so what did they mean it's like it, it makes no sense yeah. to me so you 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 have how old were you at the time
1: um maybe 20 something like this 21 um i, re- I remember it's really upsetting because i had um they At Parsons, they would have this end of year um, exhibit for for the painting painting students, and the they actually didn't choose like my work was not chosen to be in the exhibit, and so that was really that real that was really painful for me. Like that, so shouldn't they be compelled to show every student's work? You think so? You think so? And mine was good, you know. So I don't know but i i, I you're, you're making me go i don't i don't this is like a harsh place to revisit i um i was actually you know what i would have to i have to admit also it really did affect the decisions that i made in the following years because i think i kind of gave up on on painting because of it and i decided to become a photographer um just directly related to that and And so I moved to New York City and became a photographer, started doing portraits.
2: Do you think that it was driven by the need to do something other than what you were being criticized for, or just the need to keep creating in any way you could, and it was far away, and then you could, something you could do? I think I'd been like broken down by, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like,
1: interesting. I think my parents had broken me down and then now art school broke me down. And and so I thought, if I try to do photography, maybe I can at least make money and do something commercial, you know. And uh, it turns out that I can't do anything commercial. Uh, but I thought, yeah, I, I went down that path and I went and I went down the path to try to be a commercial photographer for, I don't know, until I was probably 30 something like this. It never worked out, even though I did. I had some pretty big clients like um, Barneys, Sony, um, Levi's. I, I, I would get these like gigs and I, and, and, and the money was the money was good too. And then I just, just one day I was like, you know, fuck this. I am not a commercial artist and I am meant just to make art and express myself exactly how I'm supposed to, whatever I'm feeling that is. And the whole time I had been, since I moved to New York and even in Paris, I had been taking photographs of trans people and drag queens and performers. It's always been an obsession of mine. And so I continued to do this during this whole time. So while I was trying to make it commercially, I still was doing my portrait practice do you think that you knew your voice or were you finding it I knew my voice yeah it was weird. it was weird like right away like I knew exactly what my portraits look like and what I was doing I think you could you can tell a portrait of mine from 1984 as up until now even though I was doing black and white then but I like I do simple portraits that are just you know, fill, the face fills the frame. That, that's like my, my forte. That's what I love doing. I love doing that. It's just, just seeing the presence of the person. How do you get out of the people their authentic self? Well, I'm authentic. And so that helps, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd say by being authentic and by really just being with somebody. And also, you know, I think it's, I don't consider myself a photographer either. I'm a, I probably, I'm, I'm probably more like a multimedia artist, you know, but at, when I'm doing ph- portraits, I think I, I am, it's just me and the other person. Usually I don't have assistance usually, or this kind of thing. So I am just, I, I take photos, talk to the person, ask personal questions and have moments of silence and I get really excited when I see something that's that's happening so I think that that enthusiasm is also really
2: catchy for the other person yeah okay what would you tell someone regardless of age I mean typically they're young but you know people who have started down a path towards a an objective they want you know whether it's like i'm gonna be a filmmaker so i'm gonna to go to film school or i'm gonna be a, a fine arts painter and i'm gonna to go to you know whatever art school um how would you prepare them with a mindset i had a couple of
1: mentors you know who i, I had worked with when i was younger and what, one of the things that one of them told me was um if you really want to do photography and be an artist chances are you know you may never have any kind of success or or what other people would consider success you know like money or or showing your work and so so if you're going to make that choice to be an artist then you have to can take that into consideration like how bad do you want to be an artist or do that thing And are you willing to do it when nobody cares that you're doing it? And, and I was like, hell yeah, I do. That's all I want to do. So I, I honestly thought I would be famous in it. Like I I believed in myself or at least my, my abilities as an artist, maybe not myself personally, but in my abilities um, enough that I was like, I'm going to be famous so fast because I'm so, I'm so good. You know, this is what I believed. It took, you know 20 30 years before um uh, of of working before i think i finally feel like i'm where i imagined i w- would
2: like to be if it took 20 years it for you it probably happened 10 years ago right and then it just took an extra 10 years for you to just feel yeah. comfortable there
1: yeah i think so. that's probably right it's also also you know yeah it's just it's a, so When did you photograph Debbie Harry? Um, In 1995. But I think that that's one of the things about making it, you know, doing something crazy like that, like deciding like, oh, I'm going to be a photographer and I'm going to photograph these kinds of people. It's just that I think I, I think, um, I would talk my way into it. I wouldn't take no for an answer. You know, I would be like, i'm gonna do this and it's gonna be so awesome you're going to love it you know whatever 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 needed to be said but um but also you know like when i photograph after i photographed debbie harry chrysalis records bought the photos for their for her album Um, uh, they came out at the time remixed remade remodeled i think something like that and then one of the guys at chrysalis records told me that it was the best response they've ever
2: gotten from a photo shoot. Oh, that's amazing. One of my pav- favorite pieces of advice, Joel Schumacher told me, which was never take no for an answer. Mm. And it's not that I don't even take it as an answer. I don't even hear it. Or if I hear it, it makes me want to do that 10 times more, even if I don't want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if they're like, you can't X, Y, Z, I will deliberately go X Y Z, yeah. <laughs> just just out of frustration of being either talked down to or told not to do something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I'm a similar I I I do do something similar. And if somebody says like, oh, that's you know that's t- too complicated. You're never going to be able to do that. Well, then I can then I'm going to do it for sure. <laughs> it's, like...
2: <laughs> it's it's why where do you think that comes from?
1: I don't know. You know, is it like, who knows what, what is that? I I have no idea, but you know, my, my parents were, uh, you know, I grew up in the 1970s, 1980s and my, my dad was so driven to be successful and he was like all he wanted to teach us how to do. So he was just obsessed with success. So he would say things like fake it till you make it. Like if you're a photographer, then say I'm a photographer. So he had all these these sort of little philosophies that that he imparted to me that that I that I used. I I did. So I faked it till I made it. You know, I was like, I'm I'm the I'm the world renowned photographer. And that's that's who I am and what I do, you know, so. And then eventually other people caught up.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It sounds corny. No, I know what you mean. In in a world of. Uh, Well, now, especially, you know, when both of us, when I made my first film and when you were, you know, just starting out, you had probably been around a little bit before I started making movies, there weren't as many, you know? And so today there's just, we're inundated with so many uh, everybody's, you know, you have a a cell phone and you think you're a filmmaker or a photographer or whatever that requires a little bit of self-promotion now, or someone else, you know, you can hire a PR firm to you know, promote you. But in lieu of not being able to afford it, you know, there is then the question of, well, no one's going to know about us if, we, if they don't know we're an option. You know, it's like, you know, it, they won't know to look up your movie or your work or, or see something unless they're shown that they can look it up. And then they're like, oh, I should look that up. Or maybe they decide not to, but otherwise they have no idea it exists, Right. So how do you feel? What's your stance on self-promotion? Does it make you feel weird? Do you enjoy it? Do you have somebody else do it? How do how do how do you wrestle in that part of it as an artist? I think I
1: was good at at self-promotion for for a while. I I did I did pretty well on the different media mediums, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram and and Twitter and all that and then you now i'm really trying to reckon how how to deal with that because i don't have time to do it anymore and uh i'm at the point where yeah i probably do need to have help doing that i don't think it could be stated enough how important it was to getting my name out out there and getting recognized when i did have time i used to i used to make time for it every day uh, like like a job you know like spend 15, 20 minutes at least making some new, exciting thing to post in the morning. And now it's just like, I don't even have time to keep up with my work. So
2: I'm, I'm trying to deal with that. I feel like then comes the question the people who actually are doing things, like you said, just don't have time to to do the other. I asked because there are some people who, Find it tacky to self-promote. I think, uh, you know,
1: I mean, how how are you supposed to, as you know, like an older artist? Like, I mean, I I just can't even. Don't get. I, I'm not going to open TikTok, and even though I, I I realize that it's that I I probably should, and and I I w- I could do a good job at TikTok. It's like. like i don't want to add that other that new layer to my life you know it's like so at, at some point it's like if i but if if i were a younger artist yeah i would be like get yourself promote yourself every single day do do something like try to make a new art piece of art every day to post or do whatever whatever you can and show yourself, self naked if you're if you're if you're good looking, you know that'll really make you famous. So, at some point, I mean, I'm just have overload. Also, also I'm not an oversharer. You know, when I post something, I never, I can't, I don't want people to see my face or or know or know me. You know, I'm not, I'm not out for that kind of attention. That's hard too. Although I wish I could
2: be. I wish I, I wish I felt comfortable with that. We well, yeah, but don't you think that half the people who do that are really empty inside and really aren't creating anything? I do. I absolutely do. But I don't even think people care anymore. No, I don't think. I think you're right. But yeah, it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job to do all of that. And I, I can't. I have two new books, a movie in post, a movie getting ready to premiere. The other day I decided to publish a frame by frame shot by shot of my new movie in a oh, book wow. in a book form. Oh, that's so cool. And I don't have time to even research what the fuck is TikTok. I uh, yeah, me neither. No. But then people are always like, "How do you do it?" You know, and I'm like, "Because I'm not on TikTok." <laughs> you know, or yeah. it's like I'm not spending all day trying to be liked by everybody. You know, and that's what everybody else is doing, so that's why, it, you know, it's surprising when some people are productive i think it's depressing
1: and i think it's meaningless and i'm sure that there is amazing shit out there but as a way to experience life no i don't agree with it and i don't buy into it fuck that you know like let's go out and have actually meet people and do real things and make real things on paper i'm gonna have to promote that and uh if it takes microdosing to figure that out that that your iPhone doesn't really mean anything, for God's sakes make it legal
0: Artist, Austin Young Another great guest is filmmaker Bruce LaBruce Like all art, you know, 90% of it is bad art, but I appreciate it still as an art form.
2: However, in my career, I've always been caught sort of in the middle between pornography and art. People in the art world think my products are too pornographic. And people in the porn world are very skeptical of me, and they think I'm an artist who's kind of intruding or kind of exploiting porn.
0: You can hear my full interview with Bruce LaBruce in the archives at filmmakingconfidential.com or by subscribing for free to this podcast. We'll be right back with Austin Young. Stay with us. I'm Steve Balderson and this is the Filmmaking Confidential podcast. I'm back with Austin Young. I did
1: my I did my first video, I think in like 1991 or something like this i did uh, for richie rich um the club kid um we were good friends and so i did the video for love you a million and um yeah so that that was the first time i, I made made something like that and then then i kept on i kept on doing little projects
2: like that i don't know how how do you feel when you're telling a, a story that's moving versus one that's static versus something that is, is made digitally or that, I don't know, describe to me the different, like sort of, if, if you are the tree and each one of the branches is one of the forms or a category within, like, how do you know what it'll be? If you're like, Oh, I need to create this, whatever it is, how do you know what it is? So
1: I, I, um, I tend not to, to plan or think too much about what I'm doing, whether it be any creative project, I, I like to go in really like open to whatever it might be. And I also try to work with like, um, uh, maybe asking for inspiration before I go to bed and then, and then try to. Sort of conjure up a dream or something in that in that sense. So uh, when I when I'm, I I could start shooting a project and really have no idea what it's going to look like. I just sort of kind of kind of go with the flow, which which has had to, which has been detrimental to my work and and also beneficial.
2: You know, how detrimental.
1: How to describe both. Well, I think I I don't have ever I don't think I've realized how much structure i needed if i'm going to make a vid- film or video project i think the more structure you have going in the better the easier and the better it can be so it so i think i went the other direction when i like when i was doing a lot of my worm projects with nadia ginsburg i wouldn't um, write a script or anything just imagine that i could show up and and we would get get something great you know so i think that this that um, i don't think i would ever do that again i think that project re- turned out good but it, but it could have been so much more like i could have i could have done so much more if i had written it out or if Nadia and i had gotten together and written it out i think um the last the last video project that i did i i tried to write as much as I could and storyboard, storyboard as well. And then I, I when I was actually filming, I threw a lot of that away and tried a little bit of what I had storyboarded, but still just went with the flow. So I kind of did a combination of, of those things. And also, you know, it's like, I wanna surprise myself because I, I don't believe, I think my work is smarter than me, you know, like, <laughs> I, I want to, I think my work will find the right, will find itself. Whereas like, if I try to figure it out, I'm just going to like make it stupid, you know, because, because I'll come up with a, a dumb idea or the, an idea that I think is good. Whereas like, if I, if I just let the work find itself, I, it's going to be like deep, you know, it all I always surprise myself. I'm like, because I, because I didn't even think of that. I got out of the fucking way. You know, like, so like my last work turned out to be about the pain of, um, uh, you know, of an overbearing mother. Well, I would never, I would never go out to write something like that ever, you know, and then, and then it just like appears. And it's like, so it's like that, that scene, I think, I think um, important thing for me is always like to get out of my way and just go and just take Movement forward to complete something.
2: Yeah, totally. I think I told you this when I was last at your place about how I see it sort of all artists are simply conduits for whatever energy it is that's coming from wherever it comes that moves through us and out in whatever way we choose to show it. And if we're the most honest to the work to the place, to the, the energy, or to the whatever the hell it is, then we aren't necessarily conscious about it. Uh, we, can right. be, we, we can be taking it consciously and we can be aware of what we're doing, but we're not second-guessing ourselves and we're not, better yet, second-guessing where it came from. You know, um, Whether or not we internally manifest it or whether it is shown to us, I think that then when you start fiddling with that, you're not being true to the source,
1: if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like how can it's like yeah, second guessing yourself is like real the real killer. I think that's re, it's really important to be able to get in touch with how not to do that. Uh, let yourself come up with a good idea and then don't talk yourself
2: out of it. What do you do? Do you have any tricks for when you can do it? You can make sure you're not second guessing yourself, but everyone around you while you're creating it is. Oh God. Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't talk about it. I don't talk about what I want. So so in other words, it's like, if I have an idea or something, something that I want to have happen, I I don't really share it. Because, yeah, I don't want it to be a discussion, or I'd rather have it be a surprise, and just have have somebody do it, then, then to then try and I don't, know, I don't even know how to explain that. I think this is just, this is like a terrible habit that I do in every part of my life. I, I literally just, just when I want something, I just keep it to myself. And it's at the detriment to my relationships. It does work in my art. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so funny. Well, and in, in, in my world with making movies, you know, if I tell the actor, I mean, I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start, I'm going to stop telling them <laughs> because if I, if I tell them where this comes from, what it means, how it is, they either fight it or they're too conscious about it or they're second guessing it, or they're saying, oh, it needs to be this. In which case then I have to learn to ignore them yeah. you know, while making it. And instead, if I just didn't tell them, because, of course, anytime you're working with a, an actor or a performer of some kind, whether you're creating an installation or whether it's a film or a video or it could be even just a photo shoot, it could be a radio play, it doesn't matter what it is. But everyone comes with their perception of what it's going to be and, right. and how they would do it if they were in charge. That's right. And if you just let them think that, <laughs> whatever it is, is fine the whole time, then you can still just go do what you're going to do as an artist. And whether they like it or not at the end, you can be in charge of making it true to you. That's right. Because
1: if you're, especially if you're editing it yourself, um, but, and also making sure that you're getting the takes that you need, right. To, for, to fulfill your vision. I mean, I think that's the tricky part. You have to make sure you got, you got it right. I can't imagine what it's like to work with an actor who, who is used to really directing while they act. You know, like I've I I haven't had that yet, but I can only imagine like what it must be work to work with somebody like Karen Black or something who who is believes so much in in her craft as an actor. You know that 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 just seems like next level. I I wouldn't know how to navigate that, Uh, but I would still probably do the same thing. I would, I would let people think what they want to think and, and, and not reveal too much about what I'm thinking because it's so abstract and
2: subjective. Right. No, it totally is. All of it. And, and one person's definition of good is another person's definition of bad and another person's definition of success is somebody else's failure. It, it's all ridiculous. Yeah, um, it is. The people who finally realize that then have a weight lifted from them. Because, I mean, the truth is, I don't know whether I'll keep this or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've lately been practicing this whole thing about there is no such thing as judgment. And it's a really hard one because there are different parts of judgment, right? There's self judgment, there's being judged there's judging others there's uh, you know hearing about it you know all sorts of things but if if i try really hard on some day to walk out the door and say i judgment doesn't exist today then if i catch myself saying something like oh that's terrible or <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. i stop and say wait how could i rephrase that with a truth that is has no judgment And then sometimes it's really difficult to like figure out how to rephrase that, that looks whatever, you know, or um, I mean, it's really hard. It's like, how can I, how can I communicate this to you without using judgment? Um, And it could be something like, well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's the truth. The bottom line is that something is neither good, bad, right, or wrong. It only is what it is. Right. Like these eyeglasses aren't, good or bad they're just eyeglasses and they might be different shaped and and a different you know make and model than your eyeglasses but they're still just eyeglasses you know and no one goes outside and looks up at a tree and says oh my god that's a bad tree i think i think i think i think it's a really tough
1: conversation it's meaningful because if we i mean how are we going to, to do get anything done? If we're, if we're judging it, you know, we have to, we have to just, we have to do the work. I mean, whether people like it or not. And it's like, you know, if, if somebody I would have to say for the most part, if somebody doesn't like something, I don't care. You know, it's like, it doesn't, but um, on the other hand, there there are some people who I would care if they didn't like something. You know, if, like, say, like, if I'm making a piece of art and, you, and you've hired me to make that piece of art and you don't like the piece of art, that would be really upsetting.
2: I would be upset that you didn't like it. So... Well, yeah, but then wouldn't the truth be that if I wanted xyz why would i hire the person who makes abc that's right
1: okay fair enough that's true you know you, you i think i think that if i was making a piece of art for you i would be terrified the entire time that you would like it and, and i think that would be just that would be that would be my that's probably my way of motivi- motivating myself to make a really good piece of art you know so I think I use that self-judgment, self-judgment and fear to push myself along. That's a heavy topic that we can't keep going with because. Yeah, that's just... super heavy. And so
2: <laughs> abstract. Jesus. I mean, it really is. It's intense. My other favorite one, which is just as intense. It's a little bit chicken and the egg with that one is. Did you know there's no such thing as a problem? Well, sure. <laughs> the only thing that exists in reality is our reaction to a situation. Because if you think it's a problem and I don't think it's a problem, then there is no problem.
1: There's no problem. The only problem comes if one of us decides
2: there's a problem, I guess. Yeah. But only for, only for that person. Yes. (laughs) Because the other person whom it isn't a problem to for it's nothing. So is that, (laughs) again, I was just as an example. That's another one that, you know, you could just talk into the ground for hours, (laughs) which we're not going to. I just, I wanted to give it to you as an example. I love it. Tell me about fallen fruit. When did it, how did you come up with, explain the Genesis of it. Explain to, to a person who has no idea what I just asked you,
1: what it is. Well, it's, it's a project that I've been uh, doing for 18 years now. So we started off, there were three of us, and we, um, we were just responding to a call for, um, for projects from an arts journal um that was asking for projects that looked like acts of activism but wasn't against anything so so it's kind of an interesting interesting um question so so we came up with the idea to map um the fruit trees that existed on the margins of public space in silver lake where we all lived and then sort of asked the question well who who has the right to to um, public space and who has the right to the fruit that exists in in public space so and we mapped the fruit that was in two thousand four so it, yeah so so we, we start we sort of started as a fruit mapping project within a contemporary art you know genre and and then we quickly started doing like public participatory projects like we would make fruit jam at a gallery um we'd invite anyone to come and bring their backyard fruit and then and then cut this fruit together and make jam we'd we'd bring you know pots and burners and all that kind of stuff and then we the the project just kept on you know um morphing throughout the years it became um pretty soon you know we we just kept on. The more we looked at fruit, the more the, the deeper it sort of became. So we um, started looking at it as a cultural, like fruit is cultural, fruit is political. And we I, I, I don't know but the project really took off. You know, we did we did lacma in two thousand ten. We did a year long exhibition and activation there, and. Uh, by right now, Fallen Fries, um we're doing an exhibition in Rome that opens next month. We have we have one in Tel Aviv that's coming down any day now. We just finished one in Australia at NGV. Um, we've done you know biennials and that kind of thing. so I, I, but we've we've sort of transformed recently into, doing um, immersive art installation based on maybe uh, sort of a deep cultural research into a city and we also we also plant fruit tree parks as art as public artworks.
2: So that, that's kind of like a very small description of what fallen fruit is. It, it encompasses a lot but it also has so many different facets to it that when someone says, Oh, what is that? I have no idea how to tell them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, because I can't just tell them like in a sentence, can I? How do I say it? <laughs> um, we're contemporary artists. Okay, all right. That's all I'll say. Yep. Google them. That's what I'll say. Um, but it's a,
1: it's a, it's a. I like that. I like doing that project. David Burns and I. Um we get to go you know spend spend months researching in in really awesome cities and then make we'll make a um,
2: some epic piece of art based on what we find that's amazing i saw the pictures of the villa are so gorgeous when was that like three or four five years six years ago P- palermo sicily we were a part of the
1: european biennale called uh, manifesto 12 and we did we did artwork in a, an old palazzo, which was at the time kind of like falling apart. So, so we did this beautiful room, um, with this painted ceiling from the 15th century. And it, it, um, yeah, that was probably, I think two, just 2018. And it was the most photographed thing in Sicily that year on Instagram amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who told you that? Like who, how did you find that out? It was a news story in the paper in 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 Sicily in Italy. Amazing. Mm-hmm.
2: And what's next?
1: We're doing Rome. So we're installing a piece in a contemporary exhibition space called Chiostro del Bramante and it's a It's a room designed by Bramante, famous Renaissance architect. And so, um, it's like, you know, it's just like, it's all, it's all white. So we get to like, kind of find the architecture and make it into our, our own version of what the Renaissance might look like.
0: Margaret Cho says, quote, Austin Young is the best artist working in photography today. His work captures beauty at its most vital, carnal, visceral, alive. His exuberant intensity is matched by his innate sense of balance and utmost respect for glamour in all of its many decent and indecent forms. His work will be seen as important historical reference for our times, and his name will be legend." End quote.
2: Okay, I think that when you're driven, and you have the passion, you don't notice the obstacles. And if you do, you either use them, or you just deal with them and keep going. But at the end of the day, the finished result, no one would have ever known what any of those obstacles were. Well, that's, that's true. But here, but here is like the
1: problem that I run up against, it goes back to my strategy of, of not saying what I'm doing. It's a I, the worst thing that will happen, and it happens frequently, whoever you're working for, the institution, the you know funder or whatever decides they're, they're they don't think it's working out, and they they start freaking out like you're you're making a big mistake. You know, managing that, not letting it affect you at all, and still finishing the work, which you know as soon as it's done. They're, they're usually gonna pretend like they never even doubted it to begin with, you know? But yeah, it's like that. Is this middle part where people can't see where it's going and that, that's really the, the worst thing that'll happen. Then I really have to try really hard to stay balanced, you know, like breathe, <laughs> like meditate, just keep on just keep on moving forward because I know that I'm doing the right thing, and so you just have to like i mean that's a it's a really hard, hard thing to get through and the and the way I get through it is really just to ignore trying to ignore what people are thinking or saying around me and just keep on doing the work
2: I mean part of what you do, especially if it's an installation it's it would be really hard to keep secret <laughs> right but
1: it's, it's the thing is it's like people will start to see something come into place. And it's like, when you, when you're seeing it in a room and then, then you can criticize it, you know, where it's like you're criticizing a piece that's, that's not finished. So it's not possible. Or your fears are based on something that you're seeing. That's really hard. I hate that. I, I, I um, wish people would just leave you alone.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. And when you're making a movie, for instance, it's a lot easier because unless you've invited them into the editing room, they don't see it. Right. So right. you really can spend months and months finishing it and fine tuning it and making it sound perfect and look great. And then you show them and they haven't seen it when it was sort of in its infancy. Yes. The
1: other thing I think is interesting about being an artist is that every single artist or whatever, no matter what kind of art you do, you've probably in in a lot of ways made up your own process and you have your own creative process and the things that you need to go through to come up with an idea to realize an idea it's like every time I do a job it's a new person. Um, So I have to like try to educate them a little bit uh, to to my process, I don't know what something's going to look like before I do it, so uh, you'll just have to trust in my process i'll write that in the proposal like. People will ask, "Well, what's this going to look like? What is it?" And I'll and, and I'll write, "I do not know what this is yet. It's in a still in process of research and won't even begin to appear until closer to when it's being installed." You know, so it's like <laughs> it's like educating people to back the fuck off, really, and like and trust the process. But as an artist, you have to be on your toes also. And when somebody tells you, I want you to make me a movie that looks like Gus Van Zandt, then you have to be like, well, you know, go hire Gus Van Zandt. You can't work for somebody who's, who's wanting something that's not you, which, which I tried. As a young artist, I would try. People would tell me, they would show me a picture of like, whatever, a David LaChapelle thing and said, I want something like this. and. And that's, it's really hard to have those kind of boundaries where we have to say like, well, no, it's going to look like what I do and not like that at all. You know, so I think it's, it's, that's an uh, important thing to remember.
2: Totally. Well, and, and if we go back to the judgment thing, I think people fail to realize what it is they're looking at because they're always either comparing it to something else or they're seeing only what's not there and they're not actually looking at what is there. mm Mm-hmm. And if they just look at what is there or listen to what is there or feel what it feels like, then they can say, Oh, interesting. And then want to learn more about that. So when I hear a piece of music, I'm listening really, really hard and clearly and attentively to what it is I'm listening to. Instead of at the same time wishing she had made more beats in it or that he had sang it this way or whatever. I'm because then I'm not listening to what it is. That's right. That's right, and I think that a lot of people i i I know very few people who look at art or listen to a song or watch a movie purely to understand what it is they're experiencing. That's very true, and I wish most people did
1: yeah, me too, me too, but uh, you' when you're an artist, your art audience that that you just you know that that your audience is pretty small, who is actually looking at the work at that level, I mean, what, one, two, three percent of people might actually dig deeper. So, so that's just, that's just something that we have to have to accept, I think.
0: Artist, Austin Young. Tune in next time for more Filmmaking Confidential. It is totally free to subscribe. And when you subscribe, you'll get upcoming new episodes automatically and you'll have free access to all our past shows. The Filmmaking Confidential podcast is a production of Dekenga Audio and produced by myself and Ella Spencer. Our original theme music is composed by Kevin Robles. For more of the Filmmaking Confidential podcast, head over to filmmakingconfidential.com. If you have a question about filmmaking you'd like me to answer on the podcast, Send me an email using the contact form on the website. To learn more of my filmmaking secrets, be sure to pick up a copy of the book, Filmmaking Confidential, available on Audible, paperback, and ebook, wherever books are sold. I'm Steve Balderson. Thanks for listening and spreading the word. Until next time, keep making, keep doing, keep going.